You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome in. It's another episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh with you on Odyssey's Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. And man, we have a lot to get to. Make sure, as always, that you are following the podcast inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You'll get new episodes as soon as they are ready. Bang, right there in your app or however you get your podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, iTunes. You subscribe, and while you're subscribing, be sure to like and rate and review, and uh, that's how you get it. That's how you get the podcast right there, even when there's not that much fun to talk about. And joining me as he does a couple times a week, making sure he's all set up and looking good. Looking Gucci, Tango, Eric Tangrady, uh, head coach at Shadyside Academy, former Pittsburgh Penguin. Eric, we got a we got a little bit of a mess on our hands, and I'm not talking about you rearranging the furniture while we get started oh, here man. today, bud. That would be a heck of a clip if you just saw what I went through for the last 30 <laughs> seconds during your opening. But um, no, it's a it's a yeah dumpster fire all of a sudden. It seems like <laughs> yeah. So I, I, this this is how I'm, now what now what because they've got I I did the math and the quick math is not good um, because they're headed out to to face Colorado and Dallas the next couple nights. Uh, two teams that are playing really well, battling for the Central Division title along with the Minnesota Wild. And Florida, who's now leapfrogged the Penguins, is a point ahead of them in the wild card race. Pens are outside looking in. Well, they've got the, the Flyers and then a couple of home games. They get the Leafs and the Rangers. So even if they only pull out four points, let's say they only pull three points out of those three games for some reason, and the Pens lose the two out West, then it's entirely possible the Pens are four points back going into Saturday's game against the Caps with just 10 games to go. I don't want to say that's insurmountable because it's not, but the way they've played and with the injuries mounting up on the blue line, that's that's where I take a step back and go, I don't, I honestly don't think they get in, man. Yeah, and, and not that like there's a, there's maybe there is a thing as hockey karma. I don't really believe too much in karma, but like that's a team that then becomes one that's like watching other teams' games and saying we need help, we need luck, we need this, we mm-hmm. need that. And I don't know if they've deserved any of that luck or any of that help from other teams throughout the season. Like the last month, they with the we'll call it subpar performance, they still seem like they had a lot of control of their own destiny, which. In most playoff cases, if you have a bad couple of weeks, it's like forget about it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it it, it it seems like it, a lot of the things that we were been talking about are getting close to just almost being inevitable and out of control. Than before, of like, let's just find some consistency and win some some big games. And we talked last week about you know, sure, the Montreal game and the current state of where they were as a team, you know, dropping that one wasn't that big of a deal. Now look where we sit after, right? You know that week and losing to Ottawa. Um, it's a very, very intimidating next, uh, we'll call it, you know, five days. Cause even, even a beat up Washington, Washington comes into Pittsburgh. Like they want to play their best hockey. Like I look at this right. as like three straight playoff games. And, um, you know, like you said, it, it, you don't want to say it's over, but it almost seems insurmountable of a, of a comeback if they, to, to lose a couple of games in the next few days. Yeah. You know, our producer, Greg Finley pointed it out before you jumped on, before we hit record. Uh, he said, you know, the caps are going to want to come in and play spoiler. They might not have much else to play for. This could be the closest they're going to get to a game seven this year, Saturday night uh, at PPG paints arena. And when you look at the way the pens have played, yes, they've played. You go back to the beginning of January and they're 10-3-2 against non-playoff teams. But against playoff teams, 
They're absolutely brutal. 5-13-1 and one with a negative 30 goal differential. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that indicates to me that they're not – they don't belong with those playoff teams. You know, that's – and look, when you lose the games to to the Rangers, even if it's ugly on Saturday night, losing 6-0, okay, you're losing to a better team. I guess you can swallow it even if you don't like it. You take your medicine and move on. But when you lose, like you said, to Montreal, when you lose to Ottawa at home, that's the stuff that indicates you're not quite ready for prime time. You're not quite ready for the playoffs. Right. And when you talk about good playoff teams and beating good hockey clubs, it consider, you know, it, it requires consistency from all four lines and all six D. And I think like when you look at the games against lower end opponents and that record you, you spoke of, like you can get away with two lines driving the bus. But you can't hide when you get into these playoff type games against, you know, legit contenders in the East and West Western Conference. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I, it seems like sometimes you sit here and the Penguins and that leadership just finds a way to sneak in the playoffs. But all along, I would, I mean, maybe we'll take a poll or see, especially now, like would people have been happy pre-trade deadline accepting the fact that this team is transitioning to the future uh, instead of, Maybe there, there weren't a lot of significant deals, but not anything that is really setting the team up for the future. Yeah. And you know what? I, I want to get into the the future stuff in just a second, because, you know, the questions continue to mount uh, about where things go from here this uh, this later this spring and summer, because I don't think anybody really believes they're long for the playoffs, even if they get in at this point. But let me get talk, this is a bit of difficult discussion, I think, for Mike Sullivan to have with his team. But you see a guy like Jeff Carter, for example. Now, I'm not going to drag Dumoulin into this because Brian Dumoulin has to play right now because of the injuries on the blue line. Um, but he was, he should have been a part of this discussion before Kulikov uh, got hurt and before Petrie got hurt, before Pedersen got hurt. And Carter has been a part of this conversation going all the way back to really the new year. And that's the idea of benching veterans and guys with Stanley Cup experience, right? And I understand that you you feel like it's, I guess, disrespectful somewhat to bench guys with that kind of pedigree, with that kind of experience. But we're at the point now where, like we were just talking about, you're behind the eight ball. You're on the outside looking in, and you're going to need help now to get in. And you don't control your own destiny. And if they were waiting for the playoffs before they sat those guys down when there's no cap and you can call up whoever, um, you can't wait for that anymore. So. How hard of a decision is that for, for Sullivan at this point? And what do you think it would look like to the guys in the room? Do you, I, would, would they be, I guess, turned off by it? Would they be relieved by it? What's the reaction if Sullivan finally makes the move to sit down Carter and once some more defensemen are healthy, maybe Dumoulin as well? Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's why the NHL coaches get to make those hard decisions. There's some that are able to pull the trigger and make those moves. The only problem with that is, is sometimes when you sit a veteran for, let's call it an unproven or someone who um, has to come in the lineup and take that spot, like you can cause some issues in the locker room. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know exactly. I mean, with the pedigree and his history, I'm sure Jeff Carter is, is a great teammate and awesome guy to have in the locker room. I mean, he's likable by all of his teammates. Um, that does play a factor in it, believe it or not, as far as culture goes and, and what's going to do to the bench. Um you know, that being said, I think the bigger issue is the amount of minutes. I think you can dress him yeah. and kind of guard him in a different role and play him more as a fourth line, um, win face-offs, kind of get off the ice type thing. But the extended role, I think, is where I have seen that there's some some disconnect between what I think what we're seeing and maybe what they're seeing. But as far as just not dressing them, um, I think that can cause bigger issues than actually who you insert in the lineup to improve the lineup just because of the culture and the guys and the veteran presence that might be affected by that. Yeah, it's it, it's it's something that I, I think a lot of people, it, it flies in the face for a lot of people of a team that should be doing absolutely everything it can uh, to get into the playoffs. Like I, I, I understand you want to respect a veteran. And like you said, maybe you can do it in a different way by guarding him, but I think it might be more of a detriment to the lineup if you're only playing a guy six, seven, eight minutes a night. He's only going out, taking a draw on his side of the ice, and then immediately racing to the bench. Now you're playing your third line more, or your third line center more at least, or maybe you're double-shifting Crosby or Malkin with the fourth line just to get Carter off the ice. Not that I have a problem with those guys getting more ice time, 
but now you're in a spot where you're you're shuffling your whole alignment up front just based on we we know this guy can't do it anymore but we don't want to quote unquote disrespect him by sending him to the press box yeah yeah no i think you make a really good point and i think the the biggest issue then that comes down to is how does the hierarchy of kind of we'll call it power work in the organization because um I think some of those hard decisions too have pride factors, right? Like mm-hmm. does the general manager signs somebody to a two-year deal and says to the coach, like, I'm not getting made look bad right now because we got to have, you know, this guy's coming back or we we believed in this guy. We I told the media, I believe in our group and I mean that. So now what does it look like for me if I go and sit those exact guys that I said to everybody, right. I believe in, like there's a pride aspect that, is involved in sports with players and coaches and management. And I think sometimes that can play a factor of is maybe this team not, maybe they know maybe we're not built to win and we're just trying to show we're making moves and we're just trying to show, show, show. But then at the same time, like the biggest thing that alarms me as a Pittsburgh Penguins hockey fan, because that's what I am right now, like the attendance numbers, like the, the, the fans are almost speaking to the organization in the sense of like, we're not happy right now. We're not happy. Right. And we've taken for granted Crosby, Malcolm, Latang for sure. But those guys should still be selling out arenas. But I think the fan base is actually speaking to the organization. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because it ties into what I was going to bring up next. Josh Yoey pointed it out on Twitter. He covers the Pens for the Athletic last night, talking about the atmosphere in the building uh, up until the final couple minutes when Raquel scored and Jari made a couple big saves. Uh, the atmosphere wasn't great in the building. You're talking about, and we see it on TV, the empty seats. You see it if you're in the building, the empty seats uh, around both the lower and upper seating bowls at PPG Paints Arena. And you also mentioned hierarchy of the organization. And I think all that comes together, especially if we're talking about a team that's not making the playoffs and not catching the the checks of the getting a couple home games in the playoffs is who's going to step up and take accountability this offseason. Whether the season ends on April 13th or a week or two later after a first-round exit, who from Fenway Sports Group or perhaps someone here in Pittsburgh who's working on behalf of Fenway Sports Group, who's going to be the one to take accountability? And that's something that you've heard people talk about a lot more lately. And this is the big question for me, Eric. When we get to the offseason, when we get to the – to late April and beyond, especially between late April and say July 1st or the draft in June. That is a a huge, say two month period for me to see how much ownership do, well, the owners actually take of this organization. Do we get someone from Boston coming down and speaking to us about what the direction of this organization is going to be? Can John Henry not be bothered by that because he's too busy with the Red Sox and with Liverpool? Um, Or do we get say, a Kevin Acklin, who's more of a business guy on the operations side, stepping up and, and taking charge? Or is Brian Burke thrust into even more of a forward-facing role on the hockey side? All of this is a great question to what you brought up, the hierarchy of the organization going into this summer. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's what we're all kind of like looking at. And I think that's why Lemieux played such a focal point uh, in his role. Like, I don't think, you know, he was very, very, very common his way of saying, like, I don't make a lot of personnel decisions. I'm kind of here to just connect the fan base to the organization. And I think mm-hmm. you'd always see him with the previous owner. Um, I'd be interested to see who kind of like that next face is of who's going to be that direct contact to take the accountability of like, this is my team and this is what I have for a vision of this team. And sometimes that can't be someone directly in hockey ops. It has to come kind of from a a broader scheme of things like a, you know, we talked about, like I said, Lemieux would look at that co-owner face. Um, but who's that going to be from Fenway Sports Group? Because you're right. Is this a portfolio or is this a hockey team? Because right. right now, this city deserves a hockey team to be run uh, as, a, as, a, as a literally almost like as a, an original six type franchise. Yeah, you know, and, and we sure, you know, a lot of people use the term spoiled, um, you know, five Stanley Cups in, you know, 32 years. Yeah, I guess you could call us spoiled. Um, Lemieux, Yager, then Crosby and Malkin. I guess you could call us spoiled, but I, I just think that's what you expect, like you said, of a franchise of this stature is that it's more than just a balance sheet maneuver for John Henry and somebody, you know, on a spreadsheet up in Boston that it's. And they actually feel ownership of it. Like I said, that the owners actually own it because when they don't, that's when you end up with absentee owners. That's when you end up with owners who 
don't spend the cap. That's when you end up with owners who aren't engaged in what fans want to see. And you get more empty seats, you get fewer playoff checks getting cashed, and you get an organization that at this point in the on-ice product, a couple years yet left in what's left of the core three, right? Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. You'd hate to see the on-ice product go in, in a downward spiral over the next few years at the same time that the business aspect of things seems unengaged, disengaged with the fans as a whole, too. Yeah, and, and I think that this new group coming in has the perfect model of what both ends look like when you have the, the Pirates and then you have the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers were, you set the bar for how many years, and now they're going mm -hmm. through uh, a bit of a transition, but you know, almost a transition to the point where I, I think with spending some some dollars here, like they might be able to put a competitive football team back on the field. And then you kind of have the reverse of that, of, of the Pirates who, you know, if they build it, people will come. Like right. Pirates, P Pittsburgh fans, like they want every reason to sell out PNC Park, um, but the, just the model hasn't been working. So I'm just hopeful that, you know, they – understand like what this fan base is and and this fan base has had a history of you know if they're mistreated and if they don't feel like things are right. being fair and, and they're not putting the right product on this like they won't come that's why the team almost you know took off in, in the past yeah. um but then in the flip side of it you know you draft well you you know you have superstars that you know are good in the community good leaders this and all that like and you build around them and you have championships like half a million people at a parade like this this fan base is off the charts but i think they're great because they hold ownership accountable in the city just wait tango until they they drop enough games down the stretch that they end up in the lottery and they win and get bedard somehow <laughs> people <laughs> lose their minds <laughs> <laughs> Could you the, imagine that? the hockey world would implode on itself um real quick before i let you run since we're talking ownership there's got to be good ownership stories i mean you played for an organization that was owned and run by mario lemieux and ron burkle who were regarded as some of the best over the years in pittsburgh if not in the nhl and you also played over in Russia where things are just wild and crazy. It's like the wild, wild West. Um, so there's got to be a good owner story, whether it's one of yours personally, I always tell you, you don't have to name names if you don't want to. Uh, but it, maybe it's somebody else who said, man, you're not going to believe what I saw this guy do. Yeah. I mean, the easiest is just go back to the KHL. I mean, it's like, I tell people <laughs> the wild, wild West of hockey. Most teams are mafia run. Um, oh my God. You know, our, our team in Kazakhstan was owned by, I believe the vice president of the country who also owned the one of the largest companies in the country as well like talk about collusion you couldn't believe yeah. but it just so happened that every time we went on losing streaks we didn't get paid and then the second we'd start winning a few games their paychecks would start coming through um so i mean from a financial standpoint that was like the craziest thing i've ever been a part of because you sign a contract everything's legit and then all right. of a sudden uh, a losing streak happens and Oh, we're just waiting for funds to clear and everything's fine. Don't panic. And three, four or five weeks later, you're not paid and you're wondering what's happening. And it comes back to being a uh, performance based. But no, I've been really fortunate. Uh, Pittsburgh, great ownership. Winnipeg had incredible ownership. Um, uh, obviously, Detroit um, with the Illich family, they were fantastic, even in the, into the minors with the Van Andel. So I've been really, really lucky, lucky to the point where I never felt like I was just like, we always use the term pawn in a chess game. Like every right. owner knew my name, knew about me, shook my hand. And you wouldn't believe how far that goes with guys. Like you play oh, yeah. hockey, it's a business. Like obviously you want to provide for your own family. But when you have an owner who's not just invested in his ROI, but is invested as, in his players, as people, as employees, as human beings, um, that, that, that I think that makes a huge factor and ends up probably saving some of these teams money in the long run. You know, you have a guy that, you know, possibly like a, we'll talk about maybe like a Brian Rust. If you go out to free agency, maybe you left some money on the table, Chris Letang. But the relationships, the foundation, the organization left with them, the families, everything involved, like those all go into free agency decisions. Having those interpersonal relationships actually probably end up saving owners money, but it's also really important for their brand as well. I don't know how the hell you did it in Kazakhstan, man. Like, how do you how do you go out there and not worry about like, taking a bad penalty and ending up in Siberia. I, I, I don't know how you, you existed there as long as you did, my man. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's something to life when you roll, you know, spin the roulette wheel every day you wake up. There's something right. that you, you keeps you living. But no, honestly, I only made it through five months and then I came home. So, But even five months over there. there is nuts. I mean, my God, I give you all the credit in the world for surviving that somehow and still coming back 
for the most part in one piece. I'll let you run. We'll catch up again on Friday. Hopefully we've got at least one win out west to talk about then and we'll we'll turn ahead turn the page to that huge game against the Caps Saturday night uh, when the Pens get back home. But thanks for the time today, Tango. Appreciate it, man. No, thank you. Looking forward to Friday. I'll talk to you then. Great stuff with Tango, as always. Again, Friday, he'll rejoin. Typically, we do Mondays and Wednesdays with him, but this week, Tuesday and Friday, as the schedule took a little bit of a twist with the back-to-back on the road out in Colorado and Dallas. And to be honest, that's what we've got to address next. Thursday night on ESPN against the Stars, but first, Wednesday night on TNT against the Avalanche. Somehow, some way, when the Avs were here in Pittsburgh last month, The Penguins stole one in overtime. The focus of that game afterwards was a hit on Kale McCarr by the aforementioned Jeff Carter. Are they still talking about that out there, despite Kale McCarr being second star of the week? Are they still talking about how deep they can go as defending Stanley Cup champs? We'll talk to Will Peterson of 104.3 The Fan in Denver. He joins me next on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Back into Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Make sure you're following the podcast inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Uh, just click the little follow button up there in the right top right-hand corner. Uh, or subscribe on YouTube to all of 93.7 The Fans' videos, our channel there, and you'll get new stuff as soon as it's readily available. And, of course, wherever you get your podcast, you know you can subscribe, like, rate, review, and you'll get Fifth Avenue Faceoff every time we've got a new episode. A big one this week as it's back-to-back on the road out west against two teams battling for supremacy in the Central Division alongside the Minnesota Wild. The Pens get the Stars on Thursday night in Dallas. Uh, but Wednesday night, Colorado. In Denver, they got the Avalanche. Will Peterson of 104.3, the fan in Denver, joins us now. Check him out on Twitter, at Peterson Will, uh, P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N. He covers all the teams out there in Denver. In particular, this team that seems to be catching fire again. Will, thanks for the time. Uh, the Avs on a six-game winning streak, uh, just absolutely rolling right now. Uh, they look like the defending Stanley Cup champs. So what's working over the last couple of weeks since we last saw him here in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I, I think Nathan McKinnon has gone into takeover mode, right? Yeah. He was up in Canada last week for a swing up there and got asked by a national reporter, are you guys worried about the playoffs? And McKinnon looked at him with his classic McKinnon stare like, no, 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 teams should be worried about us. Sort of like Walt in Breaking Bad, like I am the danger, you know? Until, <laughs> someone, until someone rips that trophy away from the abs, it's theirs. And they have three of the 10 best players in the world with Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, and Miko Rantanen, kind of a fringe guy there. And in any way you slice it, injuries have been a big deal this year. But as long as those three are on the ice, they've got a shot, particularly in the West, where uh, a lot of people in Denver expect them to come out of the West. Now, who they face in the East in the final, that would be a totally different ballgame considering how strong the East is this year. But there is a uh, not even a quiet confidence, just a, a kind of a loud confidence that the Avalanche will go back to the Stanley Cup final, uh, particularly with how hot they are right now. I, your, your breaking bad analogy analogy now has me picturing like Rantanen, McCarr, and McKinnon in the back of a trailer somewhere out in the desert, like melting down hockey pucks in a frying pan. I don't know why yeah. that's the visual I got, but that's the one I got. Uh, I love it. 
Speaking of McCarr, though, second star of the week last week. It was just announced a couple days ago. I know it was a big deal when he took that hit from Jeff Carter, tried coming back, played a game or two, then went out again with the concussion-like symptoms. I think Penguins fans are as attuned to something like that as anybody else in the NHL, seeing a superstar uh, take a hit that looks somewhat innocuous at the time and then miss a period of time with those concussion-like symptoms. Just in general, what's the sense of how he's doing? And, I mean, I guess he's doing fine, second star of the week in the league, but um, does he look like himself? Is he acting like himself? Does he look like a guy who can help carry them uh, to another cup and win another con smite? Yeah, I mean, Kel McCarr played two games in the month of February. He got concussed in both of them, the one in Pittsburgh and then the one in St. Louis. And listen, if you get two concussions in the NFL, they may shut you down for the season. Whereas in hockey, it's like, ah, six, seven days later, you're all right. Come on back in. By the way, he re-entered both of those games. That's another thing. No one thinks the NHL or the NFL is the, the model for how to handle, handle concussions, but they don't let guys back in the game most of the time. They take their helmet. Not only was Kale let back in against the Penguins and played in overtime, he was let back in against the Blues. And that's got a lot of people around Denver saying, who on the Avalanche is, is holding the players accountable, if you will? Mm-hmm. Is there independent spotters? What is the protocol? The NHL will feed you a lot of lines about all that, but the reality is we just saw a perfect example of their system not working twice. As far as where he's at now, it does feel like it's a thing of the past. Like you mentioned, second star, he had eight assists last week, including three in Montreal and three in Detroit. I mean, he's just a, a point machine when he's on the ice. They score almost every time he touches the puck, or at least it feels like that. So I think he's fine. I think the big question, though, Chris, is if he takes a third hit to the head, whether it be advertent or, or inadvertent. You know, you could argue mm-hmm. what Jeff Carter did was inadvertent. What happened in St. Louis was 100% inadvertent. That's hockey, right? So if that happens, that could derail a cup run because while they haven't had Landeskog all year and that's been a blow, the reality is is McKinnon, McCarr, and Rantanen, who I outlined, have, have kept this ship afloat. And if one of the three of them goes down, that's when the Avs would be in trouble. So we're knocking on a lot of wood out here about Kel McCarr, but he looks great right now. Yeah, anything that elevates uh, the Curtis McDermott's and Jack Johnson's of the world into bigger roles is going to leave you worried. Um, as, as good as Devin Taves has been, uh, it, asking him to pick up all that slack on his own on the first pairing would be a long way to go. You mentioned Landeskog, so I want to ask. I, I think I saw he was practicing in a red no-contact jersey, I believe it was, uh, the other day. So just how close to being back is he? The Gabe Landeskog situation is fascinating. You're right. Yesterday at morning skate before the Blackhawks, first time he's participated in a morning skate all year. But I'll rewind this a little bit for you. He got his first knee surgery in March of last year. He has not played a regular season hockey game in more than a calendar year. He played 20 playoff games in the last 380 days, and that's it. He was a huge part of the Avs winning the Stanley Cup, but the more we learn about it, the more he wasn't even ready to be back on the ice, and he just gutted through that performance. Then he gets a second knee surgery in October, and we're told, well, it's three months. Well, last time I checked, three months after October is kind of mid-January. We're now in late March, and we still haven't seen him. Jared Bednar finally admitted the other day that there was some sort of setback when he tried to skate on it in December, and then the weirdest thing was Gabe disappeared. Didn't just leave Colorado. He left the country. No one knew where he was for a couple of months. All kinds of rumors. He was back home in Sweden. He was up in Toronto. No one really knows. And and I'll I'll say this. Gabe's a great leader and a great guy. So he wasn't off playing hooky. Wherever he was, he was getting some pretty serious treatment to try to get that knee right. So to see him at Ball Arena yesterday morning was a huge sign for the Avs. They're still not committing he's going to be back this year. But Gabe's such a tough guy. Even if he could give you 10 to 12 minutes on the third or fourth line, I don't hate an idea like that. And then give you some some power play two minutes as well. Just his presence on the ice is going to be a boost for the abs. I would expect to see him at some point. I wouldn't expect to do what he did last year in the playoffs. What do you think Jared Bednar's plan of attack is between the pipes once the postseason gets here? Like Pavel Francois is supposed to be the guy and has been for the bulk of this season, but Alexander Gorgiev has just played out of his mind recently, providing some great performances. So is it just ride the hot hand and see where it takes them? Is it get Franco back into position to be the guy before game one of the playoffs? How do you think he attacks that? 
No, I think they're all in on Georgiev. When they traded for him, they did give him an extension as well. And I think that was Joe Sackick's way of, of trying to stop the revolving door at goalie. Um, obviously, it had gone from guys like Semyon Varlamov to Philip Grubauer to Darcy Kemper. And, and Francois played five games in that playoff run last year. He was a big part of sweeping the Oilers in the conference final. But the reality is Sackick wants some stability at that position and he says Georgiev's a starter, and the only reason that you know he wasn't given that chance was obviously he was playing behind Shesterkin, one of the best goalies in the world. So they're all in on Georgiev. Now, that said, Bednar proved he's not afraid to go to Francois when he needs to. So could it be a two-goalie situation in the postseason? Of course. But round one, game one, it'll be Georgiev. And as long as he plays well, I expect it to be his net for most of the playoffs. Before I let you run, Will, I got to ask just in general, what's the sports atmosphere out in the Mile High City right now? You got a Rockies team that, I'll be honest, felt like maybe they got robbed by injuries last year. Maybe they bounced back this year. Um, you've got the, the best team in the Western Conference in the NBA, Joker going for another MVP title, per perhaps. Um, and you've got the Broncos, who are a mystery wrapped in an enigma because you have no idea how Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are going to get on. And, and oh, by the way, the reigning Stanley Cup champs were heating up at just the right time. So what is it? Where's the, can you even focus when you've got that much going on as a sports fan in Denver these days? Yeah, it's tough. The Broncos will always be number one, but they gave up three first round picks and three second round picks for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. That better work because they have no draft draft capital they just spent $230 bucks in free agency, by far the most in the NFL. You'll remember they got bought by the Walmart owners last summer. It helps mm -hmm. to have $60 billion in ownership <laughs> and a lot of cash to give up front. Listen, man, they only had $40 million in cap space, yet they spent $230 million. That's those Sean Payton cap gymnastics at work that he did for so many years in New Orleans. Uh, as far as the Nuggets, cautiously optimistic. They've never even been to the NBA Finals in their entire existence. And yes, it's a great team, but they've lost five of seven. And they're starting to be a little, is Joel Embiid going to steal Jokic's MVP? Yeah. The ironic thing about that is the fans care way more about that than the Joker himself cares. He could not care less uh, about winning his third straight MVP. The Avs are really generating up the excitement. That playoff run last year, one of the most electric I've ever covered. And I don't know if you've ever been to Coors Field for a Rockies game, uh, but they've got a party deck. <laughs> and uh, that's where the fans hang out, up in the party deck. It's exactly what it sounds. Maybe half the fans could tell you what two teams are playing, and about a third <laughs> of them could tell you the score. So that remains the biggest party in Denver. Baseball, unfortunately, not the focus of that team. More about having a good time. Well, good stuff, Will. I appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks for the update on everything abs and out in Colorado. Uh, we'll hope that the Pens can provide uh, a little more pushback than some of the Avs' recent opponents have because they have been absolutely rolling uh, through that six-game winning streak. And the Pens trying to snap a four-game losing streak of their own now should be fun to watch Wednesday night, or at least interesting, if nothing else. Thanks again. We appreciate it. Yeah, Chris, no problem. And I'm not saying it's fair or not, but Jeff Carter better have his head on a swivel tomorrow night because Curtis McDermott will be lurking. I promise you that. You know what? This sounds awful because nobody wishes injury on anybody. But if there's anybody you could take out right now that Penns fans would probably appreciate more, I can't think of it because they're dying for Jeff Carter to be yanked out of the lineup. Oh. Nobody wants to see somebody get hurt. But if Jeff Carter got nicked up just a little and they decided to play it safe by keeping him out of the lineup the rest of the way, I don't think Penns fans would be heartbroken. So tell McDermott to take a few extra runs, maybe. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Will Peterson, 104.3, the fan in Denver, at Peterson Will, P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N, Will, on Twitter, covering everything out there in the Mile High City, including the Avalanche, who, eh, as we just mentioned there, a six-game winning streak going up against the, against the Pens and their losing streak. Does something have to give, or do both teams continue rolling in opposite directions? We'll see you on Wednesday night, and then Thursday night. The Pens head to Dallas, back-to-backs. Uh, Thursday night will be on ESPN after Wednesday night on TNT. So national television, probably not banking on getting this version of the Penguins, but that's what they will get. That's what they'll get in Dallas. Jonathan Shipman joins us from Dallas to talk about the Stars next year on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in. It's 5th Avenue Faceoff. Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show here with you as we talk all things Pens. Thanks to Will Peterson from the Fan in Denver. Jonathan Shipman, formerly of the Fan in Dallas, now the music director for the Dallas Stars. Shippy Spins on Twitter. He joins us now. Thanks for the time, Jonathan. How are you? Do you prefer Jonathan or just Shippy? Uh, at this point, it doesn't matter what I prefer. Everybody calls me <laughs> Shippy no matter what. Like, even my mom calls me Shippy now. I'm like, Mom, like, you named me. Yeah. You gave me right. Jonathan. Like, it's kind of weird that you call me Shippy, but... If anybody should be invested in the name Jonathan, it should be your mom. You're absolutely you think, right. You would think, but <laughs> alas, she's still, she'll call me Shippy, and I'm like, did you really just do that? But, <laughs> well, I mean, either one works. Pretty much everybody calls me Shippy, so let's just go with that. I'm digging the Mac Miller poster, by the way. Thank you. Um, Thank nice you. work by you there. Uh, we, were, we were talking uh, last night when we were setting this up. My daughter's 14 in a day or two here and gets constantly embarrassed that her dad drives around listening to Mac. Um, so I, I, anytime, a, a, anytime a Pittsburgher finds somebody that likes a, a, somebody else from Pittsburgh, we latch onto it. We're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, one, we, we love day, coming together on that. One day she's going to realize that she has a cool dad. This is really cool. <laughs> she, she will never own that. She, she will never she own that her dad is cool. That's not happening. She doesn't know it right now, but one day she'll look <laughs> back and appreciate when she finally realizes she just, she just hadn't had a chance to listen to it yet. You know, she's still a little young and happy birthday to her. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'll pass yeah. it along. She'll appreciate that. Um, let me ask you a uh, big D as in defense in Dallas. This team has been one of the better defensive, if not best defensive teams in hockey this year, at least in the Western conference. And I think people sometimes get that confused with, uh, it's not all that fun to watch, but like, this is a team that's got talent and is also playing just really quality defensive hockey. Like, again, it may not be the most exciting all the time, but this is the kind of hockey that wins in the postseason. Yeah, exactly. In the, in the postseason, the ice tends to shrink a bit and that's, you know, they've hit a stretch here recently where their defense has looked a little bit porous, but the fact is we've got Jake Ottinger and net. And ultimately, he'll mask a lot of those defensive miscues that the Stars may have. But it is a team that's built around that defensive identity. I mean, this is a team – the crazy thing to me is that this is a team that isn't that far removed from Rick Bonus, who's now doing a great job with the Winnipeg Jets. Right. Um, it's, there's pretty much the same roster. You add in Mason Marchment, you add in Wyatt Johnston, who is making a push for the Calder – um, for the rookie of the year for the Calder, you know, towards the end of the season here. Um, I think it, it's just interesting how different they look though. They're, they're much more, they're much more threatening in the offensive zone. Now they used to dump and chase all the time and, you know, they would kind of turtle at the end of games and just hope for the best and hope that Ottinger would come up with some amazing saves. And that proved to you know, not work out too well with Calgary last season um, in the postseason, but yeah, I think uh, it's it's an interesting thing because I think it's their game is going to translate very well to the postseason once the you know once the playoffs you know come around. Well, it's an interesting mix too. Like you've got Joe Pavelski who's older than dirt, and then you mentioned Wyatt Johnston, <laughs> yeah. um, who can't even who can't even legally have a beer yet. Yeah. Um, so it, it is. It's an interesting, it, which is exactly what I think you want if you're going to make a long run. You need the young guys who have the energy and bring it every night. You need the veteran guys who've been through the wars and through the battles, like a Pavelski. Um, just how has the, the Metroplex, I guess, latched onto this? Because there's a million things. I was just talking with Will Peterson out in Denver about everything going on out there with the Nuggets being top of the Western Conference. Of course, there's always drama now that Russell Wilson is involved with the Broncos and they bring in Sean Payton. And then you've got the reigning Stanley Cup champs on top of it. In Dallas, you've got the Cowboys. It's it's a it's a twenty four hour a day, seven day a week soap opera. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also got the Mavs. Talk about good teams in the Western Conference in the NBA. 
more soap opera there with Kyrie coming in, right, to join Luca. So how have the fans latched on to the stars this year? Are they all in yet, or are they kind of waiting for the playoffs to start? So I DJ for both the Dallas Mavericks and the Dallas Stars. And okay. the Dallas Stars atmosphere is incredible. I think I think in general the hockey fan, the hockey fan is just a little bit more passionate than any other sport. Just in I mean, like maybe that's just based off of my Dallas, my Dallas experience, because you go to a Cowboys game and it's mostly people who are posting on their Instagram that they're there. <laughs> you know, if you go to a Mavericks game, sometimes it's pulling teeth trying to get them to make noise. And with the Dallas Stars, it hasn't been an issue. And I think if you look around Dallas, this is the team that has the best chance of winning a title. And I think even when you look back to last year, it's like, man, if you just make a few changes, obviously last year was not a title contending team. You know, the Stars took Calgary to seven games, which I thought was amazing in its own right. And you just look around at the landscape and you think, if we're going to get a title in Dallas, it's probably going to come from the Dallas Stars. Uh, because no matter what happens with the Cowboys, I mean, I'm a Cowboys <laughs> fan through thick and thin, and it's mostly been thick. <laughs> and, uh, and I understand, like, even with the recent offseason acquisitions, you know, that it's probably going to be something that comes up around playoff time that's going to, you know, thwart our chances. So, um, I, but the the fans in general in Dallas, I mean, all of our games have been sold out pretty much. Um, which is incredible. You know, Dallas is not a hockey town, but I think that's where my job and, and my boss, Kevin Harp, we understand that. And that's why we go to such great lengths to make a Stars game as fun as possible to the opposing fan, to a casual fan, to somebody that just showed up because they want to have a first date and they don't know where else to go. Like, we want that, the atmosphere to be very conducive to just any type of fan. And it's the same thing with the Mavericks, but it's just a little bit different because there's more of an NBA fan base here than a natural diehard Stars fan base. And I didn't even mention the Rangers, who I guess are supposed to be a little bit better this year than they were yeah. last year. Um, but yeah. ba- baseball, probably a distant fourth, given the status of the Rangers right now, much like the Pirates kind of ride third rail here in Pittsburgh, given the way things have gone the last 10 years or so. Um, so I saw this story. Now, I'm curious on your input because you're a music guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Athletic has a story about the best goal songs around the NHL. And they ask you to go through and rate the goal song for each team. So the Stars goal song is Puck Off by Pantera. Is that yes. right? Yes. Okay. So do you, is that, if, if it were up to Shippy, if it were, mm-hmm. if it were up to you, is that your choice? Or is that something someone came to you and said, hey, we, we need, we need something hard driving. Would you prefer something a little more? I guess even more unique, like here in Pittsburgh, it's Party Hard by Andrew WK. That's yeah, I the, love that's that the song. goal song. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, well, if, sure not to play that when they're in town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a lesson that was actually learned the hard way by the Chargers guy when they were playing in LA for that year. And he played Renegade by Styx, which is like the big Steelers song. They play it in the third or fourth quarter when the defense is coming out on the field. That's what I think of when I think unique, like songs, hype yeah. songs. Um, so do you do you try to go more unique? Do you try to go, you know, what does the crowd respond to these days? Is it more that kind of stuff? Is it like your stereotypical jock jam stuff? Or what, what do you play more often than not these days? So I'll start with the gold song question. Like I would stick with Puck Off because there's a backstory to it. Okay. It was made during the 1999 Dallas Stars Stanley Cup run. Pantera was hanging out with the likes of Craig Ludwig and my boss, my big boss, Dan Stuckel, and a lot of the guys on that team. And so there's a lot of history. And it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day when I was just, I was, we were just on a big six game road trip and I was watching like Vancouver had, I can't remember what their goal song was, but I know like um, Toronto's is like, you make my dreams come true. And it's like, that doesn't pump me up. (laughs) <laughs> Whenever they score, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong; I love Hall and Oates, but it just doesn't like it right. doesn't pump that me doesn't up. get you going. The yeah. only thing you could do is do that, like. And how yeah. many people are singing that part? You know. And the great thing about Puck Off, it's real simple. You know, you just yell Dallas Stars, Dallas Stars, and then there's this crazy, you know, guitar riff that takes over. Um, so at first, I was kind of you know because when I took over, you, you don't want. You don't want to break any tradition, but you also want to see how can I make this job mine? 
How can right. I leave my imprint on this job? And that was one thing I looked at. And then I looked around and I was like, man, there's not really a whole lot of great goal songs out there. Like I really like Edmonton's goal song. I forgot. I can't remember what it was. I have it saved. It's like Fluxland or something like that. And then yeah. Yeah. I, um, I like, I like y'all's too. Actually. I love that song party hard. Um, and then I know, uh, Detroit, they have that far East movement and bingo, uh, get up. It's like this real hard driving EDM. Like at the end of the day, whatever I play, I want in the biggest moments, I want the arena to be able to clap along to it, Mm -hmm. to jump to it, to do something. I want them to get them moving. And so if you'll, you know, we, we have the Penguins here in Dallas coming up on um, Thursday. Yeah. Right? And so if you watch the game, you'll notice as the game progresses and depending on the flow of the game, right? I can't ever tell you what songs I'm going to play and when. But I I watch the game and I play different genres and I see what that – because every crowd is diverse. Sure. Some crowds are going to be crazy if it's a Friday night and it's an 8 o'clock start and they've been drinking for three hours. <laughs> And then if you've got a Sunday noon matinee game, everybody's just waking up or maybe they went to a little more chill. Yeah. Yeah. They're a little, they've got a headache from the night before. Exactly. Yeah. They're nursing (laughs) a hangover. And so you can't ever like have like a set solid playlist, but at the end of the day, I just, I have a lot of stuff in each genre that is hard pressing that will in the right moment, will get people going. And so I think our goal song does, I know I understand if it, if it gets repetitive and people get annoyed by that, I understand, but it's got a great history to it. It's got a great backstory from our only Stanley cup run. And I think to, and the Panteras from Dallas. So it's like, right. That's as Dallas as it gets. So I, I remember, you know, the Pens have, have been pretty traditional with their goal songs for years. It was rock and roll part two by Gary glitter. Then you couldn't really play that anymore. Yeah. And so it went to song two by Blur, which was always awesome. Um, And they kind of searched for one for for a while. And they finally landed on Party Hard um, after a lot of fans suggested it, actually. Um, And and that has worked well for them. The one that will always, you brought up uh, Fluxland. You brought up another like hard driving EDM song. The Uh one that will always get me. And I was talking with uh, our morning show producer about this this morning. The Pens played the Flyers in the playoffs back in way back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And the, the Flyers scored so many goals in that series that by the end of it, I wanted to take the song, the goal song, and, and just find every last copy of it I could and burn <laughs> it. It was this, it, I, I can't even remember the name of it. It was the, 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 and it was that's not me imitating the beat that's literally a guy going and it was the most annoying goal song in the history of the world and then part of the isn't that part of the point though true it's supposed you want the opposing fan to be like oh my god how many times are you gonna chant dallas stars i get it get it out of my head yeah it's like um, and it's like, let's go Rangers. That one, um, you oh, know, their goal song is great too, actually. Yeah. Another custom one. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I just, it, and then to, to top it off in 2012, the flyers were celebrating in their locker room with, to bring this whole thing full circle, a Mac Miller song, knock, knock. Oh, so I, it was, it just ripped your heart out as a Pittsburgher and a Penguins. God, that rips my heart out. And I'm not even from Pittsburgh. Like, <laughs> The well, it's, it's, should not, but you know they did that on purpose. They oh, totally. Go on Twitter and that's totally. going to go on Instagram and all that sort of stuff. Well, we've reappropriated Party on Fifth Ave now as our uh, as our celebratory song when the Pens win, which unfortunately has not happened a lot lately at PPG Paints Arena. Um, but so the Avalanche, I'm pulling for you. Oh yeah, that, at, <laughs> at least one of these two in Colorado or Dallas, the Pens have to have if they don't want to completely go down like the Titanic. So. Chippy, it was fun talking music with you, man. Fun talking stars and everything going off and going on in the Metroplex. Um, thanks for doing this. I really do appreciate it. It was good yeah, to absolutely, up with you. absolutely. No, it's been a great time. Um, shout out to Pittsburgh. I want to make it to uh, Blue Slide Park sometime. I still haven't made it out there. Uh, we'll get you your was- own brand new sheet of cardboard so you can go down the slide. Yeah, it, it'll be part. You- you let me know when you're here. We'll we'll hit it up. No, I will. I would love to. Maybe that'll be a summer trip. I'll come catch a Pirates game. Yes. 
do the whole do the whole Pittsburgh thing once I get up. Once both my teams hopefully win championships. If yep. not, then go Pittsburgh. Frick Park and Blue Slide and all of it, man. Uh, yes, thanks sir. again, Shippy. I appreciate the time today, dude. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Jonathan Shipman, music director for the Dallas Stars, formerly of 105.3 The Fan in DFW. Uh, another place where, much like you know Will Peterson in Denver, who we talked to a couple minutes ago, it feels like all four teams are, they got something going on, right? To keep people locked in. Um, you'd like to think that we're not headed in the direction here in the Berg of one or two teams uh, joining the third team that isn't always competitive. Uh, it does feel like the Steelers figured some things out in free agency this uh, season. And uh, certainly with Kenny Pickett are headed in the right direction. But like I was talking about with Tango earlier, the biggest question this offseason for the Penguins, and again, whether the season ends on April 13th with a, a loss to the Blue Jackets and they miss the playoffs, or it ends a week or two later with a first-round exit in the playoffs, the question is going to have to be asked, who's taking charge of the direction of this thing? Is it someone in Boston who works directly for Fenway Sports Group? Does John Henry show his face behind a podium in front of cameras and a microphone here in Pittsburgh? Or... Does he send someone out there to do it for him and take the bullets like Kevin Acklin, who's running the operation down on Fifth Avenue these days? Or does Brian Burke go out there and act as the face of it again, at least from a hockey side? Somebody's got to be out there in front, though, when this season ends saying, hey, this wasn't good enough. This is now five straight years of not good enough. And we're going to chart a new direction to maximize the final few years of the core, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Because if nobody gets out in front of it, and maybe Ron Hextall languishes and sticks around for another summer, that is bad news for putting together a quality team around the core going into next season, which they clearly did not do this season. Again, make sure you're following Fifth Avenue Faceoff inside your Odyssey app. If you have not already, you'll get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Make sure to subscribe to 93.7 The Fans channel on YouTube. You'll get new videos like today's podcast as soon as it's available to you. And of course, wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, review. You can always hit us up with questions too. It doesn't have to be a mailbag episode like the last one. Uh, Chris.Mac, that's my personal email address. Chris.Mac, M-A-C-K, at odyssey.com. Or just hit me on Twitter, at Mac. Any questions about the podcast or depends in general we'll be sure to get to them uh, another episode on friday as we will look back on the avalanche and stars games and ahead to a visit from the caps on saturday night to ppg paints arena right here on fifth avenue faceoff